Welcome back to the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 83 with Richie Norton. Richie is an entrepreneur, a CEO, uh, award-winning author. We talk about his books. He has a really cool um, story that he tells, and then he has a very interesting story of his past on why he got into the author space, the speaker space. Um, we talk a lot about his anti-time management book. We talk about time management in entrepreneurs and some of the struggles that people go through with time management, um, workaholics, those type of top topics. But before we get into this podcast, please like, subscribe, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. And I hope you enjoy episode 83 with Richie Norton. Richie, thank you so much for hopping on the Pro Series podcast today. I'm excited to talk to you about time management and all kinds of other stuff that you're into. Um, but yes, thank you for taking your time out this morning. I know it's morning time over there in Hawaii. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to it, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Honestly, it's an honor. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and off camera, we were talking about like how I found you and it was just off of Instagram. It's a reel that you posted a little bit ago about anti-time management and interestingly enough people when they when I started the podcast topics that they wanted to hear and one of them was time management when you're running a business or you're trying to become that entrepreneur get out of your corporate job and time management so I want to hear that uh topic and your opinion on it and uh all about your book that you wrote all about it um but originally I want to start with how you got into the business and um, did you go to college and kind of start from there? Yeah, let me let me tell you a story and and I'll circle around into all the different things. Yeah. But there was a, a time a few years ago when something wild happened in Hawaii. And I was not in Hawaii at the time. I was working with the Zig Ziglar family in Tennessee and on a project, on a launch. And I was hanging out at one of my friend's houses uh, there in Nashville. And I got a text message on my phone and it said something to the effect of that there was a ballistic missile about to hit uh, Hawaii uh, from North Korea. And um, the text continued to say, this is not a test. And I instantly um, knew I was under the impression that uh, my entire family would be blown up along with Hawaii. Um, in my home and everything we we knew and, and love and, and trusted. And it sounds weird and far-fetched now to talk about this story because it didn't happen. Uh, but in the moment, it was real. It was about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes more or less that people in Hawaii were uncovering manholes, jumping into the sewers and uh, preparing to die. And I tried to call my family and uh, no one answered. You know how when disasters happen, none of the phones work technology decides to stop working because everyone wants to use it all of a sudden uh, more than ever. And I kept calling my wife, my three sons, kept calling, calling, calling. Finally, my, uh, I believe he was 13 at the time, um, son answered it. His name's Cardin. And I, I can't tell you, man, it was the weirdest experience because he said his goodbyes. Oh it was God. the it was the thing you see on the movie where your child says I love you yeah. because he's about to die. And um again, fortunately it didn't happen. You know, we can laugh at it now. But in the moment it was very real. And it, it, w w one of the oddest things of saying goodbye to my family 
in that moment and I was helpless, nothing I could do about it. And this all circles back to time management and anti-time management is one of the things I learned is like, this wasn't the first time this had, had kind of happened to us. We actually have a fourth son and um, he passed away from pertussis or whooping cough. Uh, my, my, um, my wife's brother died uh, at 21 in his sleep. Um, we had three foster kids that we, you know, love, still love, you know, two years. We went back to bio mom, which was a crazy, scary thing for obvious reasons. And also happy, you know, for the, the reunification of that family unit. Um, life's crazy, dude. You don't have a lot of time with people. And, and I learned something that how you spend your time is how you show your love. Yeah. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs and people in, in corporations and organizations all over the planet who say they want their time back and they want to have all this time with their family and vacation time and they want to live their dreams and one day they'll live them when they have more time, more education, more experience, and more money. Only to find out later in life, I've interviewed hundreds of people in retirement, that they still need more time, more education, more experience, and more money. So when you sacrifice what you love for success, you get neither. When you sacrifice what you love for success, you get neither. And entrepreneurs say, they say this, sometimes even out loud, I'm doing this for you. And they sacrifice their family thinking that they're going to have more of their family later yeah. rarely if ever turns out that way and so you know it's life's great my, my wife had a stroke and lost her memory she got it back but i learned about help my i have a son that was crossing the street here in hawaii and um a car hit him on the highway car didn't see him at all hit him full speed and he was unrecognizable and um he was in the hospital for quite some time. They put him in a, in a coma, you know, all these kinds of things. And uh, he's okay now. He's now out riding these 20, 25 foot waves, no joke, uh, terrifying some of the, the biggest, scariest surf spots in the world. And I've asked him, like, I thought he'd be terrified of life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> and that wasn't the case for him. He didn't get hit by a car. He beat the car. Right. So, I, I share all these things um, to give you context. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I got, um, I got a bachelor's degree in international business uh, from BYU Hawaii. I was student body president there. I went on to do an MBA from the number one international business school in the world, the Garvin School of Management. Uh, nickname is Thunderbird. Uh, I spend my time traveling around the world, starting businesses and writing books about it. And a lot of people want to ask me, like, how do you do this? What do you do? And so I end up teaching what it is that I do. But to me, none of it really matters because the idea is this. If you bake a cake without sugar, you can't expect it to be sweet. So all these people, young and old, they start baking this cake their life. And they say that one day they're going to sprinkle the sugar on top. One day they're going to add their values into the mix. But you can't live a life on value if you haven't lived a life from your values it's like baking a cake without sugar you can't expect it to be sweet so the concept of anti-time management in my latest book is to value your time don't time your don't time your values stop managing time start prioritizing attention and in that way you can work from the dream instead of endlessly toward it mm -hmm. and 
it, in that, I now have businesses where we make over a hundred different products at any given time uh, for YouTube people, creator type people, influencer people, organizations. Uh, we'll, we'll make it, package it, ship it, warehouse it, fulfill it. And I do that all for these people to give them their time back. I have a company, I don't know how to edit videos, but I have a company where we edit hundreds of videos a month for traders that have a million subs or more, all because I found out that people, and family vlogger people, they go to Disneyland, real, real stuff, and they look like they're having fun and they're happy, but in reality, one parent is home editing while the other is playing, and they hate what they do. They mm -hmm. hate it. They have fun, like showing off how cool they are, and then they hate editing. I'm like, let's take the editing away, but I'll lose my creativity. What if you don't? Entrepreneurs should push the ball forward. You should be the architect of your time. Architects don't build buildings. They draw them. General contractors don't swing hammers. They sub it all out. And so when we get into the idea of balancing your time, I think balance is a terrible word because balance means motionless, immovable. It doesn't do anything. It is completely and 100% stuck. Whereas a ball that you want to put into the basket and reach your goals is constantly being pushed forward imbalance in the direction you want it to go so if you can turn your life around and focus on your priorities work from your values bake the sugar in from from the start protect your castle with a moat all these little analogies i'm throwing in here then when north korea sends a bomb to hit your family you can say this sucks and i can't believe it we lived a life without regret yeah that's powerful that's powerful that's crazy. So when you, bunch of scenarios were coming into my mind when you were saying that. And in the beginning, when you were saying uh, big people in the corporation world or, you know, the higher profile jobs, they kind of take pride in being busy and like always like always having so much work to do. And they, they like to talk about it. What do you have to say about that? Because they don't think they have a, an issue with time. They don't see that they have an issue with not taking time with their families or anything. Uh, what would you say about that? You know, I don't, I don't judge people. I really try and I try not to. Yeah. Um, and cause if they really do like working and they don't care about certain things, then great. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, we're not talking to them. Yeah. Do, do that. What makes me sad is when people think they have to do that. Hmm. And they learned out it was a total farce yeah. that the reason they stayed later was to try and work their way up the ladder. So the corner boss is playing solitaire in the dark, uh, literally in his corner office can look at you and go, Oh, he's still in the office. That's cool. I'm going to have my promotion. Yeah. I work with people. Do you know what they say about people who stay late? This is not, I'm not joking. I don't know. Why doesn't that idiot get his work done on time? Yeah. Why sense. is this idiot still here? I pay him nine to five to get it done. Why is that idiot still here at nine o'clock at night? The fool. That is the sad truth about being a good little employee. Yeah. But so I worked in a, the corporate world for a little bit. And uh, that's the mentality, of what people kind of like, just the culture. That's if you don't stay after work or you're not working the extra hours, you're not putting in the time. Uh, and I always thought what you just said, the latter of what you just said, kind of like you're not getting your time done. You're not using your time wisely in the actual business hours and stuff. Um, but that's kind of a lot of corporate world now. They just they kind of expect you to take more time. 
so yeah, I'm not going to argue whether they whether they do or they don't because it depends, right? Of course, yeah, on, yeah, definitely on the organization and and the culture. And I I I prefer a results based culture rather mm -hmm. than how many hours you put in because we know Parkinson's law work expands the amount of time given, and we also know that most people can get their work done in a couple hours a day, but instead because of the way they're measured, they do it in nine to ten hours a day. Mm -hmm. You know this is true because no one's more productive than a procrastinator with an impending deadline. Yeah. The get there they're not they're not lazy. They they will get the the greatest amount of work done in the shortest period of time. They just need a deadline. So so if if the goal is how do I manipulate my employer to think I'm working really hard because even though I can get it done in 2 hours, I'm going to pretend like I'm working for 10. I say if you want to play that game that was your choice. You should leave that culture if you don't want to be in that culture anymore. Yeah, that's great. You have, you have a choice. Like Stephen Covey was a mentor of mine, and he'd say, when you pick up a stick, when you pick up one end of the stick, you also pick up the other. So every time someone's like, but a corporation is going to do this, a corporation is going to do that, I go, yeah, a corporation is going to do what a corporation is going to do. Why did you choose that job? Oh, I didn't have a choice. That's, that is literally not true. Do you know who doesn't have a choice? The people that make 2 or $3 a day. More than half the world have to be or forced to be entrepreneurs. You have the luxury of getting paid every two weeks. Screw you. <laughs> What's yeah. the freaking problem, you entitled piece? You know what I mean? Like, like when you realize that you can take responsibility for your life, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that when you realize that your consequences were a choice, when you pick up one and say you pick up the other, you live your life a little differently. You live it from you live your life from love. You live your life from peace. You live your life from values. And you say, if I really do want more time with my family and I want these things, oh, but Richie, I can't do it. And I have all these things. Like, I'm not saying that's, that's not true. When you tell yourself you can't, you're right. But when you think algebraically, how can I do this thing without this bad thing happening by next Tuesday? How can I pay my mortgage by next Tuesday? How can I get a job over this next, next year? You open up a space in your mind for creativity and for exciting opportunities uh, to flow in. I can give you a little history about this too. Absolutely, so, I love it. So time management is an invention. It's not something that was there uh, from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as business is concerned, you know, the, the sun will do its thing and the earth will do its thing, but as far as managing that time, it is an invention of a guy named Frederick Winslow Taylor in the late 1800s. And he was working in different factories. He came from privilege and he saw something interesting. It was one of the biggest problems he saw in organizations. He called it soldiering. Soldiering is a word they use for when someone is you know, brought into the military unwillingly and they soldier, they are soldiering, meaning they will do things with disdain slowly because they're being commanded and forced, but they don't want to do it. So they'll do everything they can um, to at least try and get some power back and make it, yeah. make it uh, as, as difficult as possible. And he saw this happening. And we see the, the sad thing is obviously we see that today. Like it's, it's just constant, right? And it hasn't gone away. And uh, nor do we necessarily want it to go away. I don't think it's 
necessarily a bad thing. Bad bosses are, are, are toxic and they're the reasons most people leave their jobs, not because uh, the job doesn't pay well or the job isn't good. It's usually a bad boss. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that through research. Anyways, um, he started doing these time studies and, and watching how, how fast someone would you know use their shovel and how they would turn it and what they would do. And eventually we get this thing, they called it scientific management um, and a number of different things that back then it was called Taylorism. And what they learned was this, like when you stopped and measured and watched somebody for a long time, they might improve. But then they realized later, are they actually improving because of the motions they're doing or because someone's watching them and it's awkward, right? So all these things started coming back. What we learned is though, this is the problem today. Time management was never designed to give a human their freedom. Time management was specifically designed, engineered even, to measure every drop of blood, sweat, and tears from workers to get greater output. So the bizarre thing is that you fast forward about more or less 200 years to today, and personal development coaches and managers they talk about time management often as this thing that will increase not just productivity in the workplace, but increase and enhance your own autonomy. It's not true. And it never has been true. It was never designed to give people their time ever. It was designed to manage and control your time. Manage literally is defined. The word is control. The where where the word the root word from manager comes from. If you go back further and further and further, some people might debate this, but you can look at it closer. Manager may, comes from kind of these root words of by the hand, mono, to control animals. That's where the word manger comes from. So you put the food out for them, you control the animals. We have a manager to control the animals mm. with the food we give them it is entirely about control so it's not time management inherently isn't bad or good it's the the real question is who controls your time in time management they control your time and that is their purpose to extract your knowledge and to commoditize it that is what they do it was on purpose it is in the books yeah under anti-time management, you control your time. So instead of this, they tell me what to do and I do it, it's there's work to be done. I'm going to do it in many different ways. That's the way work used to be done. And you might say, well, there's a lot of good to say for that. And you're right, there is. But being aware of what is and what isn't and why we do it is important. Because back then, you know what they started saying to themselves when all the artisans started disappearing on purpose they were disappearing them on purpose by taking away their knowledge and commoditizing it they called themselves i think the word was automatons it was those little wooden robot things that started coming out that you start seeing you know eventually in disneyland and crap like that that's what people feel today they feel like they're robots so when you fast forward and you go ai is taking everything away and you go is it or is it just a robot doing the jobs that robots should have been doing anyways yeah so that we can be more creative and, and human. Yeah, I that makes so much sense. What so going through like your beginning of 
uh, what you were talking about, all these life events that you went through, is this what triggered you into writing the anti-time management book and kind of getting into this topic and speaking? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, yes. And it was sort of a unexpected uh, journey or, or process because, yeah, I was thrown into, I must put family first. I must put time first. I must consider what it means to have balance because every, every so often, everything was taken away from me repeatedly. Mm. And so I had, I had to think differently that, you know, by nature. Um, but my other book, The Power of Starting Something Stupid, um, I wrote that the idea is that stupid is the new smart, that you should embrace your stupid ideas, that uh, everything from the Model T, uh, the telephone and Twitter were stupid ideas, and on and on and on and on. And that book did really well. Brene Brown did a whole blog post about how it changed her life and her husband's life, and uh, it blew up. You know, it's in like 12 different languages now. And people would reach out and say, I want to start this stupid idea. And it wasn't hard to teach people how to start a stupid idea and make money with it. That's, it's math and it's marketing and it's work. Um, but what was hard is when they would say, I'm doing this thing because I want, for example, more time. I want to leave my job to start this new job so I can have more time. And entrepreneurs will classically lose their dreams and their time and their values to the job. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, I wrote anti-time management as an answer to the power of starting something stupid, just to explain how you how every project you do can actually increase your available time. That it's not about balance, but it's about flexibility. Which I define work-life flexibility as three things autonomy availability and ability which are very different things you can control your schedule but not be available or able and most entrepreneurs and worker people in any organization are not available for the things they really want they're available for work because that's their priority even though they lie to themselves and say their family and their time and their travel and their values are their priority you can tell if it is or not by the way they live it's like, it's objective. Yeah. So I teach people how to flip the whole model. Yeah. So do you travel the country and speak? And like, I saw you do um, some TED Talks or TED Sal Talks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, probably the one you saw was in, I've done a couple. The one you saw was probably in Moldova. Um, okay. Uh, it was, I was out there for some USAID stuff, TEDx and uh google grind thing and yeah I, I travel across the country speak to thousands of people um this isn't like some cool like braggy thing it just it, i mean it is what it is you know and and i i feel like i was thrust into becoming a speaker not because i necessarily wanted to but because people yeah. asked me and i just say i mean yeah, that's okay. the best part <laughs> that's the best part when people actually want you to they want to hear what you have to say yeah. You know, the, this this message of anti-time management, I just got so my, my new book now. It's only been out for a little bit. It's now being translated into like six different languages. I just got a book back in Chi in Chinese from Taiwan, uh, which is really, really exciting and cool. And uh, so people from all different kinds of backgrounds and mentalities are 
are resonating with with this with this concept and a lot of people hear it and read it and you know the book gets super detailed and they're like this is bizarre and i've never heard this before and this is new and i'm like thinking i wasn't trying to write something bizarre <laughs> and of course yeah. it needs to be free. but i was always shocked when when an experienced um executive would say this is new because i'm like you've never thought of this before like 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 little little things like you know cubby would say begin with the end in mind he never said begin with means in mind and most people and organizations will look at their means and they'll start with their means and they make means ends unto themselves and you look at habits and you go oh i'm gonna do all this habit stuff and they they habitually start habitizing it becomes this whole thing around habits but it never leads them to the person that they hope they would become because they're leaning on the wrong habits and you know, why would you do that and people start setting goals and you go if you have a goal if you're working from a goal like if you have these ideas that are inside your experience that's not a goal that's a task you're just repeating something you've done before it has nothing to do with goals we use the word goal for brushing your teeth and making a million dollars not a goal you know what i mean like yeah when you move you gotta you gotta move beyond goals habits and strengths goals live outside your experience otherwise they're a task so when you if you have a dream you already know that a dream lives outside goals habits and strengths because otherwise you would have it already yeah when you realize and live from the dream like i was saying earlier then the goals habits and strengths change do i use a hammer or is no hammer required at all and so a lot of the problem with the great literature we've had over many decades is that they don't address the actual issue of living it from the start it's constantly since since kindergarten one day you'll have this there's no such thing as one day when people die around you it's now or never yeah exactly and that's, I think that's the best part about, and it's kudos to you for writing a book that kind of, you know, you know, so many people create, creative people create stuff and it will go crazy in where they live. Um, maybe just the United States. And that's, that's an amazing power to do, but you're breaking down cultural um, barriers there. And, and it's kind of going into all kinds of different uh countries and how because every country lives differently but these human behaviors and everything are still the same and that's yes. amazing kudos to you for being able to do that and touch more lives than just us here in the united states yeah yeah it's important stuff and when you start mixing it in with how you get paid it's really important because yeah. if you start thinking about it let's talk about it from like a little more practical view in addition to a lot of this philosophical stuff i'm saying but how you get paid is how you live your life. I don't mean whether you get a wire or a check <laughs> or it comes in the mail or a direct deposit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you are required to be in an office chair from nine to five or whatever it looks like in today's world or working for a certain number of hours from home mm -hmm. in an actual location, your life is lived around that city, that town, that suburb. It is indisputable. 
when you say I work from results, then it doesn't matter where you live, how long you do it, or where you do it from. And this opportunity hasn't existed for very long. I was trying to live this lifestyle since eh, just around when Facebook started and, and, and practically no one was still using it, when, when phones folded. Okay. And I know I, it was after we had some, some hardships and my wife and I said, let's fly one-way tickets to New York with our kids and let's just see what happens. We didn't have money. We weren't going into debt or using credit cards. It was a pure, like, straight up, we're crazy people. And we're going to make money on the road while we're on the road. And we ended up going six, seven months from New York, zigzagging all across the country, never knowing where we're going to stay at night, sometimes sleeping in our car or van um, and uh, random hotels, all the way to San Diego, to Mexico, all the way back up the coast to Canada, back down um, the States and back home to Hawaii eventually. And I learned that when I told myself I'm only going to work for my cell phone and I created what's called a forcing function or a positive constraint where you actually change your environment to change your life, where you change how you're paid, you change your life. When you change how you're paid, it change your, changes your lifestyle more than how much money you make. I know too many millionaires that do not like their life and their lifestyle. They don't have freedom. They don't have time. They don't have anything they necessarily want. They do have all the money and it makes it easier and cushiony and all these things. And it's a great, they're not sad about that. But when they look at people that, that have all this time, they don't understand how that's even possible. When you look at a famous person and a rich person and they really are sad about their life, you go, how is that possible? What could be more sad than having all the money and all the fame in the world and really like feeling like your life sucks? That sucks. Yeah. And you go, you go, oh, it's, you know, it's because of these things, you go, yeah, but people in poverty, yeah, sure, some of them are happy, some of them are not. No one wants to be this. That's Money is great. We all want more. The more, the merrier. How you get paid, whether you're stuck in a favela in Brazil or whether you're stuck in the juxtaposition of being in a corner office, how you get paid dictates your lifestyle more than how much you're paid. And so when you start realizing you can do what you want, you just might have to put together some positive constraints. Like saying, I'm only going to work for my cell phone because that forces you to work a little differently. You do. It's not for everybody. But if you if you bring it back to what you were saying earlier, like, how do I change what my boss wants? You're not going to change what your boss wants. Your boss wants what, what she wants, and um, she's going to enforce it because that's how she gets paid. Yeah. So don't play that game. You have to accept it or not. Oh, what, what about all these people that they want us to come, come into the office? There are many, many, many companies that want creative people and they will pay you, they're saying now, twenty dollars to $30,000 more in some instances versus just getting a two to four, maybe 6% pay raise by staying in your regular company. So people are leaving like crazy to work from home and work for other companies that give them the flexibility. And then you go, let's get super real. They just laid off tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of people from the most sturdy trusted stable safe companies in not just america the entire world wake up wake yeah. up <laughs> time, time to do what you really want and stop waiting i love it all yeah that's awesome i, I love that perspective i want to finish on uh promoting your books uh where people could buy um your books what they're called 
um, where they could follow you on social media. Oh, that's nice of you. You know, my first one was called, uh, one of my first, like, ones I kind of got out there, it's called Resumes Are Dead and What to Do About It. Um, you can find it for free a lot of places, including on my website, richynorton.com. Oh, okay. Um, the Power of Starting Something Stupid. I mean, these things are all over Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Anywhere you can buy a book, you can find them. Um, and uh, Anti-Time Management is is my latest. But to make it easy, if you go to richynorton.com slash time, richynorton.com slash time, um, I have all these free resources, video, audio, uh, worksheets, templates that go along with my book. So R-I-C-H-I-E-N-O-R-T-O-N.com slash time. You go there and you will find some magic, <laughs> magic, magic. I, I don't even know. I should be selling it, but it's free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even on your Instagram as well. Yep. Instagram, go to my, go to Instagram. I mean, I, I, um, I do my best to try and share some behind the scenes of what I'm doing and what it looks like and, you know, show some inspiring things. But at the end of the day, like whatever you want is not necessarily what I want. Mm-hmm. And so I try and teach principles to help you do what you want. And the, the metaphor that I like to use, I mentioned it earlier is the castle and the moat. A lot of people start with the moat working and they never get out of it. They never reach the castle. They die, but literally, I, I hate to be sad about this, but it's real, before they actually live that dream. Whereas today, you could begin with the castle. And you might not need a moat at all. But if you did need a moat, the moat, the work, will protect the dream in the castle. So instead of metaphorically, Aristotle called it final cause. So metaphorically instead of like building this table and working real hard and leaving the breadcrumbs of life and happiness for your family you bring your family to the table and the breadcrumbs of life and work are your work and the work isn't breadcrumbs it's like a fortress that supports the center because right now we are putting our time family and values on the outside and letting work one day possibly support them silly yeah a responsible person will still get the work done when you have less time to do the work you get more work done more creatively in a shorter amount of time doesn't mean it's always that way but if you were to do that i'm a six sigma person a lean six sigma person i think about being lean i think about being like as precise as possible when you start thinking like that you all of a sudden free up possibly 80 percent of your time and now you're like, what do I do with myself? You're like, exactly. That's a great spot to be in. <laughs> that is. Dang it, what do I do? Yeah, do more good. It's a good time. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, Rich. I can probably listen to your stories all day long. It's, I love um, the inspirational talks and uh, definitely everybody go follow him on social media and listen to more of his talks. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today and hopping on. Oh, man, it means the world. This is really fun. You're so cool. Great questions, brother. Really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much.